The Anima Strikes Back. This is Songs in My Head. Hey everybody, welcome back for another episode of Songs in My Head, a podcast for music nerds by music nerds. Uh, as always, I am joined by my lovely co-host, Kristen. Hello! And we are joined by a special guest this evening. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Um, I'm Jake, El Jake Olivec. I play bass and I sing lead vocals for the uh, pop-punk band No Detour. Awesome. Where are you guys based out of? We are based out of Middleborough, Massachusetts. So right over about 20 minutes from Plymouth, where the good old pilgrims landed. <laughs> And uh, how long have you guys been doing your thing? We've been a band now for a little more, a little over three years, just about three and a half years now. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I know you guys just just put a release out. Yeah, we put a single back out wow. back in April, and we're actually we're, we're working on our next two singles as we speak. So, nice. Hoping to get those out there as soon as possible. We could talk about that more later on. Yeah, absolutely. What we've got you on here for tonight is uh, to pick your brain about one of your favorite Blink-182 albums, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, and you and you picked a good one because it's one of my favorite, uh, one of my like top three live albums i don't know oh yeah it's one of the best for sure a lot of live albums but like next to like nirvana's mtv unplugged i think this is probably like my my other favorite it's really really it's yeah it's this album um it honestly it was in my cd player for like i think i was telling you it was in my cd player for like four cars yeah. so if like my <laughs> phone ever died i could always i was always there so it's all reliable for me right yeah, and I, I think that it's um it's such a great album because it really gives you a picture of of who Blink one eighty two was as a band. Absolutely. I mean, you know, they by this point they had put out three records because this was released in uh two thousand. November seventh, two thousand. Yeah. I was gonna say I know it was either late ninety nine or early two thousand. So the recordings were done at two shows mm -hmm. in 99 on November 4th, 99 in San Francisco at the Bill Graham Civic Auditorium. And then November 5th at the, mm -hmm. at the theater. Um, but then it was released a whole year later. Yeah, exactly. So, and they were still, so they were, they were coming off of, the release of Enema of the Enema. State. Right. And, you know, so by that time, that was their third major release album because you had Cheshire Cat, Dude. Exactly. And then you had Empire. And then Enema. Or Enema. And then you ha now you have the, the Enema Strikes Back. And, you know, it, it's right. introducing you to the way that they they play shows and really interact with both each other and absolutely which i think is cool yeah i thought it was really cool that like this was recorded yeah. first arena tour 
because they did their first pee pee poo poo tour. Yeah. <laughs> and then this was their loser kids. Yeah, right. Tour. No. <laughs> so this would be their first like absolutely and, and that, to large crowds. Oh, for sure. And like it's so cool because like that was one of the things that like obviously like the music and stuff with Blink like inspired me to start playing guitar and like doing the whole pop punk thing like a few years back and like I've watched so many interviews of Blink from back then and like it's cool to see that like they were truly just like having fun on stage it wasn't like they didn't care how like shitty they sounded you know what I mean like they were having fun regardless of what was going on and to have all that and have that live album come out sounding so good is so cool yeah so i mean you know and it, and it was cool because you really figure that this was like in an infant age of of internet and technology and they had a pretty For sure a pretty prominent which i didn't know it was so prominent but a pretty prominent uh like mobile recording uh, oh yeah studio thing that was called lay mobile <laughs> And I guess apparently they have like yeah, and it's it's funny that you say that like how well it's it's crazy because like how you say like you didn't know how prominent it was is like I didn't really get how prominent it was either until like I had like an aunt and uncle who like I always thought of them as like kind of like only country like occasional classic rock and like whatever was on the radio. And I remember when I, they were moving one time. At the time, I only had um, Tigger Vince jacket. I think I had a, not Tigger Vince jacket. I think I had. Mark Tom and Travis show on vinyl maybe, but I didn't have it on CD and I was helping them move. And that was like, that CD just popped out of somewhere. And I was like, are you kidding me? And my uncle was like, Oh yeah, you're on, you're on. Love that band back in the day. And I was like, I didn't know that. And like, this is the album to like, so it's what do you say the whole, you know, prominence thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's wild to think that, that, you know, that they were able to do this on such a scale uh you know in 99 2000 oh for sure so i i definitely yeah you know, i definitely give them a lot of props for that mm-hmm. agreed i think another big thing to really talk about is the album artwork because it's so it's so like iconic iconic exactly especially if you're even if you're like not a blink like super blink fan but i feel like even if you like dip your feet in like a little bit further than most people would into the whole emo pop punk thing. You're going to see that cover eventually. Absolutely. It's like right up there with Enema and Jacket. Like you're going to eventually come across that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, we did a little bit of research on the artist um, that did the artwork. That's always one of the things that fascinates me because I'm not a great artist, but I enjoy it. Um, yeah, so- that's really cool. The artist was uh, Glenn. Glenn. I um I really didn't. I think so. Yeah, I I really didn't look. I know I know who the artist was at some point, but it's been so long since I've listened to anything about the album. Like, but I've listened. Like I said, I've listened to the album itself hundreds of times at this point. I know every little between song dialogue, dialogue, and all that stuff. Well, don't you worry because we. But, we went um, on a, a major major tangent for whatever for whatever good reason we could come up with 
I just like to know weird stuff about the albums. And I was interested to find out that the artist that illustrated the artwork for this album was best known for designing Monster High Dolls, <laughs> which are super popular. With oh, I didn't know that. The young kids. So, like, that's just a huge, you know, thing yeah, that well, I thought was interesting. And I also read interesting that he did character designs for um, the, like, classic kids show Babar. Oh, uh, the, the elephant. <laughs> yeah, Babar the elephant. Uh, he did. Oh, yeah, and that's funny. I remember that show. He did character designs for the the Beetlejuice cartoon that oh, came wow. out like in the late eighties. That makes a lot of sense now that you say that because those <laughs> animated styles are very. I think the one that I saw the most in in the cover artwork, uh, he did character designs for Daria. Oh man! Oh really? I guess I can kind of see that. So I definitely, I could definitely see similarities with a lot of those art styles. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they, I was reading and they mm. were sort of like <clears throat> pictured all over is the, the <laughs> band playing a tour for a whole big crowd of people, which included, but are not limited to uh, a wizard, some nude men taking a shower, an <laughs> alien, and the, the nurse model from the cover of Enema, <clears throat> which was Janine Lindmuller. Right. Yeah, and we all, but a, a bunch of 90s kids probably uh, knew where she was also, uh, Oh yeah, I'm what world sure. she was famous in. And I didn't know that I'm until sure. I was a little bit older. I'm sure that they did. Um, oh, yeah. But actually, uh, apparently he uh, actually got an award like the artist got an award for this specific cover because of it, it of it being so well done. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't was, know. Uh, I didn't know that they got an award for it. Yeah, it was a certificate of excellence from the American Institute of Graphic Arts. Really? Yeah. That's really cool. I I, I still can't believe that he did um the Beetlejuice cartoon, but that makes so, <laughs> so much sense because like. All the little clip. I my uncle loved that show when I was a kid. And like the animation styles are literally identical to that TV show. That's so funny. Yeah. Um. So another thing I read, and I'm sure that you know it's probably pretty common knowledge. This is their only, their only live album they ever did. Yeah, unfortunately. Um. And like we were saying, it does contain stuff from their first three albums. Right. It did have. One, one new track that was not recorded live. Yeah, man, overboard in the studio. Right. So. Yeah, I read that. Yeah. They, um, they originally were releasing this because um, they wanted to give their fans, you know, some more music between their major releases, and that's interesting to think about back then. Where you know now we can just release a song on Spotify, right? An EP, whatever. Like the in a second, yeah, easier. So, you know, thinking about, you know, being a fan and waiting for something new all that time just to, you know, right to get this. And it's funny. It's weird. Like how you said, like, you know, waiting. I remember I had I bought them like I'm only 25, but like so I'm a little the only blink I would have like really associated with would be like neighborhoods era, like probably because like I was so young when this album came out. But um when I kind of went on like a blink craze, like I have every album on vinyl. Like I have all their albums on vinyl. I have them, they're all colored. Like I have 
three tom guitars i'm a super blink nerd but um this album i didn't know it had man overboard on it because i just knew man overboard from the greatest hits album because that had like everything because that was like right after they split up the first time so like i always heard man overboard on that so when i got um how i told you i got that cd from my aunt uncle when i heard that i was like is this like supposed to be on here yeah because it's it's such a good like quality song yeah oh yeah i know and i I think the other thing i read too is that uh they initially wanted to release that song on enema of the state but when they were turning it yeah it was i I think it was a that would make that would make sense because just that era and they had so much stuff with travis like turn in the the master recordings and everything that song was still in its demo phase so they they weren't Uh... Well, yeah and they it's wanted to, they wanted to release it so right well i think it, it may have been on i don't i don't quote me on it but i think there was a few like single like back in the day how you could get like those single cds until i want to say like 2010 i think they kept doing them so i remember i had like a katie perry one but i remember i had like a couple of the singles from enema and i don't know if it was on on there but i feel like if it were to be on anything else that's probably where it could have been but i think those came out like a year after enema but i could be wrong and cd singles yeah CDs. but um that's a thing of the past i know it's so crazy to think (laughs) any kid now like making music i feel like there's such a thing in the past like they're so like my equipment would be like the itunes you know well, we Back when you spend you know two dollars on iTunes or use LimeWire. Oh yeah, we've talked about this a few times on the show because Josh is a few years younger than me, and I'm in my forties. And like our musical, you know, discovery is so much. Oh different. really? That's because funny. Yes, yeah, so like, you guys. That's cool that you guys even have that little bit of gap, so you can compare. Singles are such an odd phenomena. I mean, like we were saying, you know, nowadays Spotify you release a single and you can have it out in a couple hours exactly um it's crazy you know like you were saying you know i mean i grew up you know i mean i I just turned 39 through the myspace music era so i was like i i'm like in such a weird era because like i was at the at the end of cassettes at the beginning of cds yep like when there was a drop in the usage of vinyl and like the internet was still like coming up (laughs) so like we were at warp yeah <laughs> right like i was still discovering music at warp tours and like which then, is awesome and then like myspace came around and like i was there there and gone for the myspace generation and you know now here we are i'm able to find new music with one login to instagram and boom there's yeah. or get on a tiktok and my for you page is just all new bands i've never heard of yeah that's just awesome like it's great yeah yeah i mean and i i feel like that's that's even you know kind of how this show came to to fruition was you know we were we were already listening to other music podcasts and we were already having these conversations and we were like yeah why don't we just get a microphone and, and just record this? Which and is awesome. 
kudos to you guys for you know doing that i, I want to do the same thing myself i just haven't found the time to actually jump around and do it but well those who can't play music <laughs> talk about music i guess yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll go to all we'll go to all the shows and we'll we'll talk about all the music you're a musician though i mean you've done it yeah i mean i i've i you know did my 87 high school high school bands that never did anything and then we all do you know just play casually now but like mm-hmm. you know i i mean i i think you know definitely it's it's interesting to have that the age gap between even the three of us here on this conversation yeah um and seeing where you were first introduced to so your first album from blink that you experienced was which one i think the first album i listened to it was either dude ranch or untitled i think the first i think the first couple songs i heard by blink was obviously i miss you and I okay. think it might have been like always and down. And then I think like damn it was always in there. So actually that's not true. I think the first one was damn it because it was in Bubble Boy with Jake Joe and all. I think yeah. that's the first one. Yes. I think it? that's how I actually Bubble. discovered them. My first exposure to Blink 182 originally was Dude Ranch. Yeah, me too. I but uh, I remember when it came like came out, I went and bought it. Yeah, no, I, I remember Yeah, and it, like damn it and you know that whole era of of blink 182 and then i remember when they became like a mtv staple oh yeah when they released enema the state and then they started oh yeah more music videos and then here you are you see travis and you're like wait a minute that's not the same guy yep exactly Uh, luckily i mean for travis i think they only had like two videos with scott rayner so it wasn't like that big video and honestly like in the in the damn it video and then like the josie video like you can't even really tell that it's tom and mark so like it's honestly like once they right. released Emma, like you said it's 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 like a whole new band yeah pretty much right. <clears throat> so uh i think the other great thing throughout this and we'll we'll talk about it as we go because what we like to do mm-hmm. is we'll just go through the tracks now mm-hmm. obviously we're not going to go as in-depth as we usually do because these are all well-known tracks on other albums. Right. But what we did is we just kind of identified what album they're from. Mm-hmm. And then we also kind of put a couple little notes here and there. Cause like I noted some lyric changes and things <laughs> like that, that I noticed. Oh um, yeah. So yeah, we'll just go through. So everybody, buckle up for all the pee pee poo poo <laughs> jokes and stage banter. Uh, so we get right into it. It starts off with uh, with Dumpweed from Enema yep. of the State, and actually, it starts off with like a block of of songs from Enema of the State. It's, it's mostly Enema stuff until like I want to say like the halfway mark, I think. Yeah, it's and then they that. do like they're they're like joke like you know like the, the blowjob song and like stuff songs like that right well in the same order too because Dumpy yeah opens enema too and so i thought that was kind of interesting oh yeah i think the whole i think it goes dumpweed it goes dumpweed don't leave me aliens exist yep. uh going away to college and then after that it kind of gets all over the place yeah yeah pretty much yeah so like you were saying it starts off we've got 
Dump Weed, uh, Don't Leave Me, which were both every everything is pretty straightforward as far as recording goes. They play about the yeah. same as what and like I said, we'll we'll point out when there are lyrics that were noticed. Um between between <laughs> Don't Leave Me and Aliens Exist, uh our friend Satan makes his yep. first, his first appearance in the show. And uh, he he is up there talking about how everybody in the crowd should take their pants off. Oh, yeah. And uh, that he needs to leave the stage because he's got a boner. So, you know, you, you know, you're <laughs> well, set up well, for many crazy sh- shenanigans. Yeah. We skipped over one of my favorite lines, though, is when uh, before Don't Leave Me, where Mark says, this song's about my herpes. It's called Don't yep. Leave Me. <laughs> yep. That's a well, and it's it's funny you said, um, yeah, that's one of my favorite. The harpy things is like the best because you're like, makes you think you're like, is it is it really or is he just being a jerk? But uh, no, um, the whole Satan thing, it's funny you brought that up because up until really recently, I always thought it was Mark doing the whole Satan voice thing. But I think if you listen to like the rest of the album, me and my buddy, who's also a really, really big Blink fan, shout out chrissy fades from the sleds um me and him were listening to this a few weeks back and i think it's actually both of them because there's parts i think so too yeah and it's it's weird because like you as like tom and mark's voices are like very similar but also very different at the same time if that makes any sense no yeah like they're they're talking voices yeah are pretty similar i mean if you get into singing voices that's a totally different yeah yeah totally different ball game but yeah like they're, exactly. they're speaking voices they have a very similar tone to their well because they're that it's that so it's that soco accent you know that yeah, southern oh, yeah. california like chilled out you know let's go skateboard and surf and climb up telephone poles right but uh no it's it's crazy that i didn't know that it was both of them on the mics and I, it's i don't know if if it was like an effects pedal or if it was just their sound guy like messing with it i don't know it was yeah, always I a cool they, I think I read that they had like an effects thing on the microphone. Most likely. Just like turn it off and on. Cause you can actually hear when they're doing a couple of like the Satan sketches later on, they like cut it off for a second. And you, yeah, like you can hear somebody talking, but you can hear like the Satan voice really, really quietly underneath. Yeah. I was listening <laughs> so, to it on the way in before the podcast and I noticed that. Like how you and it's smart the way they I mean it was obviously an accident, but like you don't know who's who obviously because it's you know the album and you can't really find footage of the concerts, but it yeah. is cool just to, you know, hear that it was just a cool vocal effect that they were both doing. Oh yeah. Yeah, so you know, we get through Dumpweed, we get through Don't Leave Me, we get into Aliens Exist. Um, yep. You know, shocker, turns out Tom was right. I know, right? It's crazy. But uh, there was, I think this was like the first instance of a lyric change. Yeah. Because uh, they initially had, the original lyric is, I got an injection of fear from the abduction. My but best friend thinks I'm just history. telling all, or I'm just telling lies. All right. They changed it to, I got an injection of love from the erection. My best friend <laughs> yep. thinks I'm just humping guys. <laughs> yeah. So, and then of course, at the end of the song, uh, Mark chimes back in and says, Tom has sex with guys. Right. And so, I feel like a true Blink fan, like if you hear that song, like 
you all me and my buddies do it all the time when we hear that <laughs> like we always try to beat the other one to that part at the end of the song right uh but yeah so i mean and i, I think it's cool that they did that in a very very subtle way where they like they changed the lyrics yeah. in a way that like deters away from the song yeah but not it still fits very well absolutely so after they open up with those threes, they they cut into uh, the song "Family Reunion." Yep, which uh, was actually featured on a compilation called "Short Music for Short People," which I've actually heard before. Mm. It's like a hundred short thirty-second songs. So um. yeah, isn't it? I think they stole it from George Carlin. I think yes. that was like right yeah i thought so because yeah, i didn't know based, that until yeah based on george carlin's seven word sketch that he did and then yep. his follow-up routine included like more filthy words which is you know fart turd twat <laughs> yep so yeah i didn't know that was a george carlin thing either oh yeah yesterday the seven dirty words sketches is classic. seven words you can't say on television yeah i actually i have that that was on I think it was on like his class clown record or something like that. It was like one yeah. of the first records I ever got as a kid. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for the for the folks at home, uh, in case you were wondering what the words are, uh, we've got we've got shiss, shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits, fart, turd, and twat. And then of course you have to round mom. it out with "I fucked your mom." Yep, naturally. Oh, classies. And there's one version of it. I thought it was from this album where at the end Tom says, and I want to suck my dick. (laughs) But I don't know what one. I don't know. I thought it was from this, but it must be just be from a weird, like I might be from like Big Day Out or something like that right around that time. But so after they, after they do their little quick, uh, you know, George Carlin song. Yeah, back into the anima songs with going away to college. Yeah, uh, and they had another lyric change in there, which I actually, um, I didn't realize it until I was listening to it recently, and I was like, "Oh, oh the, the Skyly lyric." Yeah. So it's in, in yeah. the original song they yeah. say, "But you're so beautiful to me," but on the recording they say, "But you're so beautiful, Skyly." Yeah, and, I, yep. I and then at the end he just. Yeah, no, it, me and my buddies, that's another one we always do. And then there's the when he yells in for Travis at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's like, I love that. Uh, and then, of course, right after that, they cut into what I think is arguably one of their biggest hits at the time, which yep. is It's My Age Again. Um, yeah, so just because of the video. I think it's still one of their most well-known songs. Absolutely. It's definitely in the top five for sure. Yeah, um, that one had a lyric change. <laughs> it did have it did have a lyric change, and it's one of my favorite because, like, I I always I always sing it in there somewhere. Uh, well, at the very end, yeah, because they always yeah, throw in that. Where's my Asian friend? Yep. Um. So you know, I always I always liked that, but again, it's another one of those like it's a a subtle little change. And I'm sure it probably yeah. came from like a conversation they had with somebody where they were just like, 
man, it sounds like you say this at the end of the song. It would be super oh, fun for sure. if you actually did. And they were like, yeah. you know what? That would be funny. <laughs> um, so they, they have that. And then around this time is when they uh, when they switch over and start doing mixing in Dude Ranch and Cheshire Cat tracks. Yeah. So the first one that they do. So this one's funny because I always thought that the title of the original song was hilarious. Uh, but on the album, they actually call it Rich Lips. Oh, yeah. Um, but I mean, it's just the live version of Dick Lips. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think it's, I think it's still Dick Lips on uh, Spotify. Yeah, I yeah. think on Spotify it still says Dick Lips, but on, <laughs> really, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. yeah, but on a lot of the other stuff, it says Rich Lips. Uh, <laughs> it's probably to, you know, get past Best Buy and Walmart and back at the time or something oh, weird. It was probably some, some stupid, some stupid thing. Um, yeah, I mean, and then obviously right after you, uh, right after Dick Lips, you get into uh, the blowjob song. Yep. Um, you know, and you know they so adamantly say that it would be nice to have a blowjob from your mom again. Another your mom jab. Yep. Which is crazy because that is ironically probably the best vocal harmonies on the whole album, and it's about blowjobs. <laughs> right so funny like every time i hear that i'm like why are their harmonies so perfect on this song out of everything else it's so funny yeah like yeah they, they hit that like i think it's in the third repeat of the lyric that like that harmony that's in that section is so good yep. it's so smooth and it's mark because mark back in the day um i guess like when they went in the studio for like dude ranch it might have been dude ranch or chester cat I guess when they went in the studio, like Mark was like ready to go and like vocally playing, like playing his bass. And like they, the engineer kind of had to work with Tom a little bit to figure out like how he wanted to sing the songs. Yeah. Cause for the first couple albums, as you know, Tom's just yelling and Mark's actually like <laughs> singing pretty well. But yeah, um, I, think, I think that was when they went in for, for Enema and they were trying to figure out, they were trying to like hone in a better sound. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then after, you know, another another high quality joke track, uh, you go into uh Untitled from Dude Ranch. Yep. Um and then one of my favorite songs off of Dude Ranch, which is Voyeur. Yep. I Great love song. that song. Um and they have a lyric change in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, two lyric changes actually. So they had uh on the album it's the lonely guy I am, I wait for her to change. On the live recording, it's the lonely guy I am. I like to watch her change. Yep. And then the the line, he kicks my ass so much that filthy white inbred. On the live recording, they say he kicks my ass so much that fucking white inbred. So right. it's just like it's just like real subtle little things that just, Yeah, I was gonna say very subtle. Yeah, because like they're not changing the whole song. It's just like those little things that you, that just make it like that much different. Yeah, and then of course I I love when they, and I'm sure being a bass player, uh, when they pause the entire song for the bass solo, yeah, for the big bass solo, and and Mark's like, I need oxygen and oral sex to the stage, please. Yep, yep. That's I think that's about as far as I got. 
on the album on my drive over to my buddy's house is right about we ended right on voyeur which it's funny you bring that up because i thought the same thing i was like oh because i'm i've heard this album a million times and i still laugh at all the jokes but of course oh my the buddies God. are like because like it's it's just they're just so funny because they're it just oh yeah they're just having fun and talking shit and like it's just it's just a bunch of good friends <laughs> just having a good time well, that's like one right. of the things I read that Travis said in one of the articles that they um, that they interviewed him. He said, like, we, we played the songs at lightning speed and the dick jokes were an all time high. It was a perfect rep- yep. representation of what we sounded like and who we were at the time. Yep. <laughs> and it's funny to think about because, like, it was talking also about, like, how the whole album's like a time capsule of what youth wanted at the time. Yeah. Dick jokes. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, yeah, it's it's true. And it's. It's crazy. I mean, like I said earlier, it's it's crazy that like, you know, Blink went out on stage and there were a million other bands at that time. But like they I think it was Tom in an interview talks about he's like, I want to say it was before he rejoined the band. It was probably from like four or five years back. And like he went and saw, I think, either Descendants to No Effects live at some like shithole venue. And it was just, I think it was No Effects. And Fat Mike was just like making fun of everyone the whole time. But like the music was okay, <laughs> but like, you know, um, he was just Tom. That was kind of like Tom's light bulb moment. He said, like, he was like, oh, like, I can be like decent at playing and just interact with the crowd in that way and make them feel like, you know, they're part of the band and like make them feel like, oh, you know, we're just a bunch of, you were just three guys on stage making, you know, dick jokes and stuff. Cause it's like you said, it's literally what that youth was at the time. Not that it isn't now, but. No, but it's really funny that you say that about no effects because we were talking about that yesterday. Because they're oh, really? like my, well, they're my favorite, my favorite band. And we went to Pumpkin no way, awesome. and saw them over the summer. And yep. Josh had noted that, you know, they're basically playing similar roles because, you know, for sure. Similar banter, similar relationships yeah. between the band members. And it's it's really funny that Yeah, that I mean oh, yeah. I think it it's almost like like blink 182 is like they were like you know getting the torch from yeah effects and all of them and just passing it into a new generation for Um, sure and it's it's cool like if you want like little sidetrack moment um you know like you can take like the 70s punks like ramon sex pistols clash all those guys and then in the 80s when punk kind of like didn't go away, but kind of split off in like a bunch of different directions. You had bands that kind of did like the whole indie punk thing, like the replacements. And then you have like joy division that did like, you know, like the synth punk kind of thing. And Billy the Idol was kind of in that a little bit too. And then, you know, like I said, and then you have no effects, which was kind of just like, you know, they didn't really know how good they were going to be, but they wanted to have fun. And that's, you know, and then nineties, it kind of, pretty much just went to blink and unless you want to count you know the grunge era as being part of that which it isn't it isn't but depending on who you ask but like you said no effects definitely passed the torch to bands like blink and pretty much blink and then blink kind of opened it up for everyone else well i always think it's really interesting when you can like clearly see somebody's influence that way for sure yeah and mark talks mark hoppus talks about and I didn't realize it until I started playing bass a little bit more, um, how Mark's influences as far as like bass lines and 
writing is from like the cure and i was like oh that kind of makes sense because he's obviously like the darker of the two him and tom like they're both goofy but mark obviously kind of wrote more serious lyrics and tom's were a little more dinky until he started doing his own side projects right right i mean and you can even see that here you know when you get after after voyeur you get into uh pathetic yeah and um after that i would say arguably one of the like top sad songs adam song yeah which is adam's song oh, man yeah um, yeah like but, the lyrics in that are like oh they and you can tell that's a very cure-esque song. oh yeah absolutely yeah because i know I, I i know i've heard mark in interviews say that like two of his favorite his favorite artists are the cure and uh bauhaus yep which so yeah the, the very that classic like very sad somber like um kind of songwriting that's also like a story at the same time right essentially 80s emo <laughs> yeah exactly i mean it, yeah, it, when that's, you said that's what, oh yeah i mean but i mean adam's song is such a sad song yeah and it was just it's so funny because <clears throat> right in the middle of all of this pee pee poo poo dick banter you know they have this that. they put this sad song here and he's like all right we're gonna play a serious song so wipe that shit eating grin off your face oh, and, and yeah, more importantly that's... if you've got a if you've got a shitty if you've been eating shit and you're smiling about it today's probably not your day <laughs> yeah and it's just so cool that like you know like no matter what like no matter how many notes they fucked up i mean once they got travis all their mistakes were kind of covered up but like you know just to be able to interact with the crowd like that and go into a sad song like that or go into a crazy you know people shit song you know yeah it's crazy that they you know have that scale absolutely um yeah so i mean they they get through that obviously and you could tell that they kind of have like a moment before they get into the next song because it's kind of quiet yeah and you know then they they get right into uh peggy sue from cheshire yep. um, which is a real old one yeah yeah i mean that's one of their first like bigger bigger tracks yeah because cheshire cat was what like 95 or something 94 95 something like yeah that. it's it's right around there yeah because i know i always get buddha cheshire cat kind of they're kind of they're the same album but they're not the same album they have a lot of the same songs right but um because you have like fly swatter and then you have like which is literally like a demo tape that they made like in their garage there's like not even 100 copies of it and then they did the original buddha which isn't like the buddha that everybody knows today it just says blink and it's literally like the golden buddha yeah and it and like no, a lot of people just when they see buddha they think of the one that like hot topic had like 10 years ago that like everybody's seen that one but that's like there that's like an actual album yeah i think that one was actually considered an ep yeah because then cheshire cat is like i think their first actual album yeah it's their first full-length album yep do you have anything not really okay <laughs> um so then they get into uh wendy clear yep uh another enema 
another enema track. And I think right around there is when they start kind of trying to prep the crowd for uh, the encore. Yeah, when they're like, we're going to walk up and we're going to say we're leaving. We're going to play four more songs. Yeah, he's like, you know what we're going to do. We're, you know we're going to fucking come back out here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I love that because every time you're at a show and they're like, oh, this is our last song. And I just hate that whole like, right? oh, we disappear. Now we're back. <laughs> right. Well, it's. I mean, I'd rather have the disappear than we come back because like it's so weird when like bands oh, will say don't. it's their last song and then they add actually is and you're like, oh, that, that's it. Oh, I know. I just think it's funny that they were right. like up front and like, oh, <laughs> yeah. For sure. No, I mean, and and I know that it's it's you know, they do that for for their sake that you know they that's their second to step off the stage, get a drink. Oh, definitely. Whatever. But I I know I remember I was at one show and a band did that, and they were like, oh yeah, this is our last song, and they like stepped off the stage, and it was like a good like like solid five or ten minutes. And uh-huh. then, the lead singer came back out with like the rest of the band and he was wearing completely different clothes. Whoa, that's cool. You know what? I went to one too. When I went to see Rare Americans, the one that I told you about oh, their yeah. first tour, they went backstage to take a break and came back in like a bear costume or something. Like we found this backstage. They said we could put it on. And I was like, well, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like he, it was so, it was so funny. And I was just like, Hey man, you know, do what you do. What do you what gotta you do. To do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, I'll take that. That's awesome. So they get uh, they get into Carousel after that, which is yep. a Cheshire Cat track, and there was a uh, a lyric change in that. Uh, in the original recording, they said, "I guess it's just another," and they changed it to "I had sex with your mother." That's <laughs> right. I always forget about that one. And then a little bit later in that song, um, Tom throws in, or no, Mark throws in a uh, a burr stickum. Which is a reference to uh, an old Fat Boys song, the the Human Beatbox. Oh yeah, I never got into the Fat Boys. I didn't know that actually. Yeah, so that that was like a really like real off the wall reference. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you know, obviously they're in the the home stretch. They're in the right, or they they break into all the small things. And do they do Anthem after that? Do they do Anthem part? Well, it's just Anthem. It's not Anthem part one. It, you know, they actually didn't. They didn't do Anthem. I was going to say, I don't I always forget if they do. And because it isn't it's a throwaway song, but it isn't a throwaway song. Because like you can't you every when you hear Anthem by Blink, you automatically think Anthem part two, obviously. Right. Oh, yeah. Like you don't think of the first one. No. Um. But yeah, so they do. All the small things, and of course, it's incredible. Uh, and then one of my favorite, my favorite like crowd banter lines comes between that and Mutt, when Mark is like, "So you could leave now and beat the traffic, or you could, or you could stay home and beat your beat your meat." Yeah, oh my god, <laughs> that's the best one. I love that. Um, so they they get through that, and uh, they play Mutt from Enema. Um, yeah and then then they play probably one of my favorite uh joke tracks which is the country song yeah um, oh yeah i know it's so 
Oh yeah, take and, like your it's so funny yeah. because you've got Tom who just sings this absolutely absurd song. You know, take off your pants, Dad. Your penis is the biggest thing my butt's ever had because I would know <laughs> it feels good. <sighs> but Mark comes back with another great reference to South Park. Bigger, longer, uncut. When he just oh, yeah, shut your face, shut fucking your face. fucking That's face, right. little fucker. Well, because that had like just come out at that point, I think. Right. <laughs> it's so funny um, because then right after that, they just cut into "Damn It" from Dude Ranch, right? And that's like their closer. And yep. But I love they they hit the opening riff, um, and then uh, Mark just yells, "Take your pants off!" And then they cut. Right yeah. Into oh. The song. <laughs> and I feel like any local pop punk band, if they've listened to like any Blink Live stuff, they do the take your pants off. Like I always do it if we play it in my band. Like you can't not. Nice. Um, but before I forget, actually, um, when you said Mutt, a little trivia for you is Mutt actually was in the first American Pie. We were just be- talking about that before. Yeah, before it was in that movie before the album came out. Right. Well, that's which what... is super, and obviously, Blink themselves are in it right after that song plays. Right, they're in the the infamous uh, video chat scene. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no, and I think actually Mutt was on one of those little single CDs that we were talking about earlier because it was in that movie, and I think it was it had to have been on the soundtrack. So that was probably like like we said earlier, like how they wanted to do this album because they didn't know how long it was going to be between Enema and whatever neck the next album was going to be at that point. Right. I know. I mean, we know what it is, but like they didn't know back then, obviously. Oh, right. Yeah, that was but, um, that was one thing I had written down about being on the American Pie movie, but also um, talking about like the teen movies of the time, like when we were talking about going away to college, apparently like that's reportedly like inspired by can't hardly wait, which is another movie than that time period. So oh, I thought dude. that was kind of funny. Can't hardly wait. Actually. Um, we cover that song in my band as well, which oh, not right? a lot of bands. Yeah. Not a lot of bands do that song, but it's a really easy song to play. If you've heard the original version without all the horns and stuff in it. Huh? Nice. After, after listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's definitely. I mean, it's good. It's it's off their album. It's the Tim version, um, and it's kind of like their version of Cheshire Cat a little bit. But it's that weird like indie pop punk that's like punk but not quite pop punk. Sure. It's like it's kind of like it's hard to explain because like Paul Westerberger. The singer of that band, like he sounds like he could be in like the clash, but then you hear him talking, he's like the most American accent <laughs> like ever. So you're like, how are you singing like that? You know? Yeah. So, you know, they they finish out the show and then damn it fades out and man overboard. Yeah. Right um, which I mean, yeah, that opening bass line is is sick. I I love the way that it cuts into that track. Oh yeah, and that video itself, the Man Overboard video is the best when they're all they're playing the little people. Yeah, and they have you ever seen that video? That's a oh, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, I I mean I I remember the video. The song is is fantastic, um, and it's yeah. it, you know it's another one of those like kind of tough songs for them because I you know it's. 
it's kind of like officially unofficially the the song about you know them firing scott yeah right that's a, a lot a lot of people know that i mean obviously you guys do but i always forget that that's what that song's about and it's yeah, weird because they like fired him but they didn't fire him yeah. yeah i mean the band has like mark and tom have never confirmed that but yeah that's one of those like pop punk like mysteries like some say he quit to go off to college. Some say he was fired because he was drinking. But I think it was like, I think he had like a family death and he had to leave. And Travis was just there. And they were like, well, like this guy's a Scott, Scott jazz drummer. Let's see what he can do. Well, see, I remember because we did an episode on uh, Dude Ranch a while ago. Uh-huh. Oh, and, really? Yeah. And when we did that, that episode, um, you know, we read that it, it was it was because of his his alcohol addiction that they had to like kind of mm-hmm. cut ties with him. Um, Which you know, is crazy because he was young; he was only like eighteen, I think, yeah. at that point. Yeah, but like, I, and I guess, I guess it even came further down to like after they had signed their their record deal and everything that like they were you know they were getting ready to like celebrate and and have like a a party and everything and he they were still recording when they officially signed their like contract and uh they had like a celebration party for their signing and he jumped off a balcony and broke both his ankles oh really i mean i knew the whole i knew the story of mark breaking his ankles um when he first met tom he like climbed up like a fire like a fire pole and he yeah. jumped off i think i i think i know what you're talking about though i think he did yeah because they he had to finish like they literally wheeled him up to his drum set in the studio to finish the recordings yeah um but like it was because he he got so drunk and they were like the we celebration can't... party and they were just like yeah we can't we can't do this which is crazy because then you have Travis like a decade later, you know, when they did plus 44, he like broke an arm and did that whole tour with one arm. Yeah. And then after the plane crash, he was still healing. Like he was still all burned and stuff and healing and he still did that tour. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're like, all right, Travis, we get it. You're a badass. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> he's you he's i always tell he's literally like the drummer of our generation for sure oh absolutely i mean there's there we've we have had this conversation before about like you know you can't have a conversation about like band members without talking about one of the best drummers being travis barker right i mean it's just you can't have that conversation and the fact that he's like collaborated with so many people everyone yeah, I mean, it's... Well, he like he like kind of like kickstart him and like honestly like depending on how you feel about MGK like him and MGK kind of like kickstarted the whole like pop punk revival a few years ago and then Travis just started signing like all these random people and like then obviously and that's the kind of like I feel like all the Super Blink fans I feel like when that stuff started happening everybody could kind of tell that there was some Tom was gonna come back at some point with all that stuff. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I know after Blink released nine, um, you know, that was when Tom and Mark had really started 
like kind of bridging their their whatever friendship and then of course mark got sick and right you know then you saw tom around a lot more and i mean they even talk about you know leading up to the release of their newest album and everything how you know it sucks that it took tom that it took more that having cancer for tom to come back around but in a way it was kind of a, a blessing and yeah i mean good for them i mean i'm glad that they were able yeah to i mean it's, it, i agree it sucks it sucks that it takes you know that shitty situation but like i will say though like in every billion fan i'll say this like when tom rejoined the first time after travis's plane crash and stuff you could tell that there was like an elephant in the room like it was just weird and then like there's like the stories of them like recording neighborhoods in like separate rooms and shit like that oh and, yeah like, I mean, if you listen to if you listen to the tracks on neighborhoods it sounds very disjunct it doesn't sound like it's a cohesive together. project at all and yeah then, and then you, you take a step further and you listen to dogs eating dogs ep oh and nobody like, gives that album love oh it's so good it's, it's so, so good because it's so angry and so and and so like powerful and I, it it's like a sec- it's like a sequel right. to boxcar yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah i've always said that's the closest thing we've got to another boxcar other <laughs> than the new album obviously supposedly yeah but no um, um i actually it's funny you brought up uh dogs eating dogs i have that's one of the rarest uh, vinyls that I own is I have the the Bone White Dogs Eating Dogs uh, album. And that's like, nobody has, like, I've taken pictures of my Blink collection, like posted it on Instagram. And so many people have slid up and they're like, you have Dogs Eating Dogs? I'm like, of course. I was like, of course I do. I was like, why wouldn't I? If anybody's going to have it, it's going to be me. I feel like that's like me and my Boys Night Out collection. Oh, yeah. For me and my no oh, really? I'm not there yet. I'm getting there. Yeah, because I, so I have um like the last the last album that Boys Night Out did, they released on like a limited vinyl with Smart Punk Records, and I got it's like it's like a numbered vinyl. Yeah. I remember they they did that with Blink for Buddha too. They had like 800 blue um Buddhas, but there's no way that there was only 800. I used to see that shit everywhere. So it's funny that like sometimes it's definitely just for marketing. And that was also when Blink like wasn't together. So like I feel like that's kind of why they released that oh, version absolutely. of it. But, so, you know, we've we've gotten through Man Overboard, we've gotten through all that. And then I love that they just they just essentially give you all the cuts from all whatever. The, all the other rest of the banter. And it's it's actually listed the track is called Words of Wisdom. Yep. And there's like just 29 extra tracks of them just banter that's in there. It's just um, like it's like it's like more of what they did with Cheshire Cat, how they have like all that like random shit between the songs and right. they're like all those secret songs and stuff. Yeah. What what I didn't realize though is that uh I guess on Spotify it the track is called Shut Up and Play a Song. <laughs> Yeah, and it's weird that they do that. Like effort, like how you said how they did with Dick Clips. I didn't even realize that they changed them around until you said that. Yeah. So that's that. I mean, I I think that this is an important album. I I've always thought for that sure. it's an important album. 
Um, even though it's not all new music, I think that, like we've been saying, just from a generational standpoint, I think that this is a very important album. And I, I think, you know, especially being the the elder emo that I am, <laughs> talking with, with you, who is very, very young and on the revival side of the punk emo yeah. scene. Um, you know, I feel like this is an, an important album to bridge that, that gap. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's cool that you, you know, referred me to the whole up and coming emo thing. Cause I actually, I run a venue out of our town and that's like where my band rehearses and stuff, but I run a venue out of like a modern church. It's not, it's like, a. it used to be a, it was like, it's an ancient store in Middleborough. Um, it was like a pharmacy. It was an archery store at one point. Um, but I'm actually rebuilding the whole basement, which is just this humongous open floor plan for like, you know, cause when I was starting bands, I was like 18, 19 and like being 18, 19, you, you don't really have a lot of options. You can't really go to a bar. If you do, it's like weird. You have to like make sure that they know you're not 21, get the weird wristband, make sure that your whole band gets the weird wristband. It's just like, there's so many hoops you got to go through. So I want to be able to kind of, because I remember, I, like, I always think I'm like, how many bands would be successful now had they played, you know, not only VFWs because they were so young. So like, I want bands that are, you know, not super young. Like I'll probably do like, you know, 16, 17, the very, very youngest, but have someone in the band be like early 20s or 18, 19, something like that. Um, just, you know, to give them a chance and see like, you know, give them the atmosphere of playing like an actual pop punk you know emo show that like a lot of people never got to have that's dope no that's really cool yeah. I, I think thank you that you provide a an easier venue yeah and it's, it's just that. it's super cool like i've been really thankful with the people who run the church and it's like it's i'm not religious at all so it's it's cool that they really accept me and like they appreciate just like you said like how i'm you know, giving back to the community and giving people like the chance to play and stuff like that. And like this basement, like it's coming along. Like I'll give you, once this is over, I'll give you guys like the info on the venue and stuff. So you guys can check yeah. out. The, uh, Cause it's really, really cool. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I think it's great the for the young fans too, because there's not a lot of places as a youth that you can go and see. Bands. No. Yeah. And like, I, I mean, all ages shows, like I'm mean, not, you guys know, like all ages shows, like, there's so many bands from back in the day that started out at, you know, VFWs and mm -hmm. somehow oh, yeah. were able to network. But a lot of it back then was like, some of these bands are like, you know, 17, 18 years old, like in the summertime, they would play VFWs and they would just play VFWs all around the country. Cause it was the only place they could go. Right. So, I mean, it's good. And I think that that's a definite, a definite positive direction that more venues need to go yeah more cities need to go that they need to have for sure on all ages accessible venue like exactly that. i mean i get why running the venue now like i get why a lot of places do do just because like you know you got to be careful with the alcohol you gotta make sure there's no like weirdos coming in and stuff like that but like you know it's i feel like if you do it right it's it's really beneficial for everyone involved for sure for sure and it's giving a younger generation an, an opportunity to get exposure to music right and you know going back to the you know on the topic of the younger generation you also have blink's new album which came out 
at the perfect time. Like every right as the whole pop punk, like MGK, Travis thing started to die down. All of a sudden, Blink's album is like on top of the billboards again for some reason. Yeah. So I think I picked a good time to kind of capitalize on the whole emo pop punk thing, which I think I was talking with my buddies earlier. Like it literally is the new dad rock. It's so funny. <laughs> well, I guess that's about accurate. I mean, I am a dad. Oh, so. really? Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's he's seven. So. Oh, he's, wow. He's, he's got his own his own you know stuff that he that he listens to all of his little kid music yeah who knows maybe he'll be blasting enema of the state in a couple of years and you'll be maybe i i you know one can only hope you uh, like some of it from from you playing the tony hawk oh yeah i you mean know, oh yeah music. perfect example yeah oh yeah i mean like he he knows uh offspring offspring from a couple of a couple of like videos because he likes watching um like youtubers do like the let's play videos yeah and a lot of them will do like clip like highlight videos and they and the one time he was watching it and an offspring song came on and i was like singing along with it and he was like jamming with it and he's like dad do you like this song and i was like oh yeah i love this song that band is a great band and like <laughs> so now he like associates that with like oh d- this is one of dad's favorite songs <laughs> Right, which um, could be good or bad, because I know when I was a kid, my dad was super into like all the '80s new wave bands, like Depeche Mode and like Alphaville, Howard Jones, Thompson Twins, like all those weird '80s synth bands. And like, I hated it when I was a kid, but now I go back and I'm like, you know what? Like, this is I I see what my dad was thinking. Like, it's some good music. It took me, you know, probably over a decade to realize that, but sure. oh yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think my I think my son refers to it as uh, weird rock and roll. Is how what, <laughs> yeah. what he calls it, and I'm like, you know what? That's sure. fine. I'll take it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um. So, what is on the horizon for your band? So, for no detour, um, our we're trying to do an EP. We have a few scratch tracks recorded. Um, that we're gonna be hopefully finishing up by the by the next couple of months and i'm probably gonna we're probably gonna release like two more singles and i think the rest of it's gonna be on an ep okay um but as far as we got a lot of things going on like i book a lot of shows for us like we're boston like i said we're boston based so like we're always playing in boston we're always playing in providence um and then we have the whole venue like me my guitar player, my former guitar player, who's still kind of in the band, but isn't really. And a couple of the other bands. And that's the other cool thing, how I said, like the emo thing, like on top of me trying to build up this whole scene and make it for younger people who to have it more accessible to them. I already have like probably 20 to 50 bands that I could call up and play it like to book a show with. And like, they'll come and they'll like help me paint the venue and stuff like that so it's cool that i have this whole community that'll do shows you know at the snap of a finger and stuff like that so like but we got the ep we got the venue we got the scene so we we got a few things on the horizon i guess you could say yeah i would say so it sounds like you guys got a busy few months ahead of you i think so and i think that's something that unfortunately a lot of bands don't realize is you have to really look at the business aspect of the band if you want to move it forward. Sure. I feel like you can only play, you know, in someone's basement for so long 
and say you're going to play all these shows and not do it. And I feel like a lot of bands break up because of that, because they say they're going to do all these things, but they never follow through. But because uh, they don't look at their band as a business. I feel like that's the number. Unfortunately, the number one factor you got to do with a band is you really got to figure out. And networking's huge. Like you got to go to shows um, to meet new people. Because I can't tell you how many times, like when our band first started popping off, We've been a band for three years, but we've only been playing shows for about, uh, it'll be, we were a band for so almost four years in, but we didn't really start playing shows till like a year and a half, two years in. Okay. So for like the last year and a half, like I've, we've probably played over like 50 to like 75 shows all over the place. And like, I can't tell you how many bands I know, know that were like bands from like previous scenes that I was part of in high school. They're like, dude, like, how are you getting all these shows? I'm like, I go to shows and hang out with people. Like, I don't just go to shows and leave. Like I do the classic, like nice set dude. Like even that can go. <laughs> so we do. I mean, but like, you know, like it, that can go so far, you know what I mean? As long as you're not a weirdo and like, you know, <laughs> you talk to them and you genuinely you're like, yeah, like, you know, I like say they did a blink song. You're like, dude, like, I love that cover. Like, you know, they're my favorite band. Like that'll they'll remember you. And if, if you drop, you know, at the end of the conversation, you're like, yeah, I'm in this band. If you want to check it out, they'll remember you as opposed to some asshole who goes up to them and like, yo, you should check out my band. Like, you know, which yeah. a lot of people will just do. And they think that that's networking and it isn't, but no, I, I totally understand that. Listen, as a, we, we self-produce this whole thing. Which is awesome. Good it's for just, you guys. It's just the two of us. And yeah. then my buddy is our producer. Mm-hmm. So like, we we are the whole show. We we yeah. are we are our own advertisement. Mm-hmm. So like, I am I am the guy. I am the guy <laughs> that goes up yeah. and at shows that we go to. And I'm like, you guys are really cool. Like, I liked your style. Your your songs were great. Like, we have a yeah, and you have something to, to give them in return. Which is yeah, great. and we're like you. You know, we've we've got a podcast. We'd love to have you on. Here's a business card. We'll That's be awesome. Such, you know, so I, I get it. Like, and it, it yeah. helps us because we get you know people to listen to our show. We we get great content and great you know new stuff to listen to because that's what you know this is about. So yeah, hopefully right. you know we give them a voice. Let's yeah, and obviously, yeah, and like I'll obviously give you guys a shout out. Like once, whenever you guys, whenever this is going to be posted, even beforehand, like I'll point you know all these bands yeah. that I just you know I'll send them your way, obviously, because I think every band should obviously help you guys out and you know get the whole podcast experience just to get their feet in the door of you know being more comfortable at talking about their music and stuff like that to people. Sure. All right. Two more questions, and then sure. I will. We will let you go for the evening. Yeah, you got it. First of all, Jake, have you ever worked for State Farm? <laughs> Unfortunately, they fired me. So fired I, no, I'm just kidding. I've never worked. For that. <laughs> but uh, and, uh, to follow that question up, what are your thoughts on khakis? I hate them. I really do. I hate them because you, you you get a stain on them. You can never get it out. Well, like, right? it's the worst. It's the at least with jeans, it makes them look better. But you get a stain in your khakis, you never, you can never wear those to a function. Ever. Just, throw, just throw them away. Just throw Pretty them away. much. That's well, awesome. Thank you so much for being on. Um, yeah, no, of course. Right. You thank know, you. again, uh, 
Guys, make sure you check out No Detour on Spotify. We're on everything. Spotify. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I know you guys are on on Instagram for sure. Um, but yep. check them out everywhere. Listen to them wherever you can. Um, Let us know when you put out something, and we'll yeah. we'll share it everywhere. Blast! Oh yeah, no, I will for sure. All right, Maybe man. I'll get. I'll even send you guys some cool little demos so you guys can get a taste of what's coming. I like That'd that. Great. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Guys, All right. Well. Of course, if you want to go ahead, if you want to plug your socials, where where were we? Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, so our socials are just um, it's no detour band at no detour band on Instagram, uh, Twitter. I mean, we don't have a Twitter, but uh, uh, Facebook, same thing. It's just no detour. Um, and if you see the alien icon, that's us. Cool. I made it nice and easy. So, <laughs> well, but yeah, uh, and. In the interim of saying that, everybody knows where you can find us. We're all over social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We are at S-I-M-H pod. Uh, we are on Spotify. Uh, the Apple one. I can never remember. <laughs> iTunes. Apple, Apple Music, uh, right? Amazon Music. And uh, SoundCloud, if you're nasty. So be sure to look for us there. Um, it was a pleasure chatting with you. Wonderful. Yeah, you guys and, too. Uh, we look forward to hearing new stuff from you guys very soon. Likewise. All right, you guys have a good night. Thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right, of course. I'll t- we'll keep in touch. All right, it sounds good, man. All right. Bye, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you.